Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. We are psyched because we've got a phenomenal guest with us today, and we're talking all about how to scale up your recruiting. We've got a bunch of other stuff to dig into, too, as well as the um, the transition from going after buyer leads and especially internet buyer leads all the way over to listing seller leads and uh, and recruiting people that recruit and build your team for you. So we've got a bunch of stuff to get into today. Uh, so first of all, I just want to welcome in Jeff. Cone. Jeff, what is up today? Hey, Matt Johnson and Ryan. Super pumped for today. I uh, wanted to just remind our audience, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, you can also watch these. There is a video option. I had someone out to my workshop a couple weeks ago, and I asked them if they ever watched the podcast. They said, watch a podcast. I thought you only listened to podcasts. We do stream all of these. Uh, we stream them live on Facebook, and then we also have a video option in YouTube. Matt, how can they find the YouTube video? Uh, easiest way is to search EliteRealEstateSystems.com or they can just go, uh, they can search on YouTube for Elite Real Estate Systems or the Team Building Podcast. But the best okay. way to do it is like each of our episodes on the website have the YouTube video embedded right there so they Perfect. can watch it on the site. Yep. yep. So just want to throw out that quick reminder to everybody. Mm -hmm. Obviously, don't watch it while you're driving or work, you know. Uh, riding your bicycle or hey, something like I've that. I've seen people send screenshots of their iPad mounted in their dash <laughs> with, the, with the show going. So, hey, go oh for my it. As long gosh. as you stay concentrated. And if you get into an accident, make sure to shut it off for insurance purposes. Yes. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> yep. So let's let's, uh, let's welcome in our guest, Ryan Finch. Ryan, how's it going today? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you. So uh, you built a super successful uh, team. And, of course, you're, you're an independent broker. So give people an idea kind of where you're at and what your team looks like. Uh, sure. So right now we have um, we have two different models. We keep at our company. One is our team model. Uh, we're in two offices. We're opening our third office right now. It's under construction. And then um, there's I think like roughly 110 agents here, uh, somewhere in that ballpark, with about 15 staff people. Across the two offices. Yes. Mm -hmm. And where are those offices physically located? What city, state? Sure. We have one in Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's basically our headquarters. Um, and then we have uh, another office around 3,000 square foot office in Chesapeake. We opened that in, um, in August and, and we've got about 30 agents that are out of there now, 23 or something, somewhere in there. And then okay. we have the Newport News office, uh, which in our area, there's like a bridge that has a lot of traffic. So people are like, hey, I don't, I don't want to cross that to go over there. So we said, well, all right, we're going to open an office over there. So that people can, uh, you know, they'll be able to join in with what we're doing and, and not have to commute. So all of those are under the same uh, brokerage model. They're under your brokerage, right? Yeah, first class real estate. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. And and just real quick, Ryan, on the admin side, the, the who do you consider like your admin? You've got admin for the brokerage, and then you've got the team model and stuff like that. But it's, the 15 admin people is is a lot. What what are some of those roles? Um, sure. So we have a closing coordinator. We have then a processor for that person. So that way, basically, when contracts come in, they go into a software. She processes, sets up all the timelines on uh, home inspections, termites, appraisals. All that goes into a timeline so she can remind all the agents. Then the closing coordinator gets it and makes sure the title company has it, the uh, the lender has it, and makes sure that 
you know, all the pieces are going through the PICRA and, and so on, uh, property inspection okay. contingency. Do you have a closing coordinator slash transaction coordinators in each office location or just at your central hub processing everything? No, they're, they're, at, they're at the central so that they can handle everything digitally uh, from there. So they can turn in all their documents at any, at any office. Okay. How many units did you guys do in 2016 through the two offices? Um, well, we didn't, we only, we opened in August, uh, the second office. So, okay. um, so, so it last year we had 500 transactions. Okay. How many transaction coordinators do you feel like you need, um, to do 500 transactions or did you have, I should ask. Okay. So, so, and part of that is some of those transactions were not team-based. So we have independent agents that are on an independent model and they'll have their own closing coordinators and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we have one that, you know, handled, I think we had, about three or four hundred of them last year were our our team model. Um, so she handled all those. So then they had their own people, or they can do them themselves. That's you know, amazing. Can okay. Do everything. So I, this question's been coming up a lot, and Johnson and I haven't asked it, and I don't feel like in yeah. any podcast. I, this has been I like this week. I've had like three or four people ask because their teams are getting bigger. They're doing more deals, and they want to make sure that they don't have too many, but they also want to make sure they have enough. Um, the number I've heard as I've traveled is one hundred. Every hundred and fifty deals, you need somebody. But my experience has been if the processes are in place, the correct processes that those admin are running with, you only need about one admin to every 300 sides. So that lines up more with what you guys are doing. We had two last year. We did 601 deals. This year we'll do 750 with two and a half. And we are, we're bringing that half full time going into the next year, trying to hit 1,000 deals. Um, I did have a transaction management software question. What are you guys using, Ryan, for transaction we management? We use Skyslope. So everything Sky goes slope. in there and then it has a portal so I can see, I check every day. I check how many deals went under contract, how many listings went in, how many closings we had. Um, it also keeps track of how many agents we hire and lose. So, and, okay. and then you it feel like me agent production all on one dashboard, quick screenshot. So I can just see money coming in for this month, the next month and, and future. Is that specific software to real for realtors or is it like a, what uh, software tool that other businesses use as well, and then they have to customize it for real estate. I think it's just for real estate. I, I don't I'm sure know. it's just my, for real my estate. My sister run. My sister Rindy runs the operations of everything, so she puts all the systems and processes in place. So cool. Yeah, Sky Skyslope got big on the West Coast, if I remember right, because I know Jess Garcia, who runs Pipeline Wizard, is friends with those guys. Um, I think that's where they started. So Jeff, I don't know that they have a big penetration in the Midwest, but mm -hmm. yeah, pretty sure they're real estate specific. I think they were intended yeah, to be a competitor to Dot Loop. A lot of yeah, people don't have here. We had dot loop and we, we had dot mm -hmm. loop and we, we really didn't like it. It didn't do all the things that we needed it to do. So we, mm -hmm. we ended up using Skyslope. Did you on the dot loop, did they have dot loop for teams at the time? They came out with a new, they had broker dot loop and now they have like a dot loop for teams. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's been a couple of years that we've had okay. Skyslope now. So I just, okay. I, I just don't remember. So other admin roles other than their transaction coordinators, we've hit two out of 15 people. Who else is there? Yeah, is sure. there so, any roles, especially that are unique to you guys, Ryan? Any, anybody that okay. you feel like you look around the country and they, well, nobody has like this position. Okay. So, so you know, and, it, and it's funny, what we did is, and, and this will probably help make it make more sense. So when we first started, the person who's my closing coordinator was like the person answering the phones, was the listing coordinator, was the marketing coordinator, was the closing coordinator, you know, and, and whatever. So she handled everything. So as we grew, we continued to do that where that's even where this processor comes in is that we take all the processes and tasks and break them out into a role because, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a listing coordinator and a marketing coordinator when you listed three houses this month and you, you know, you closed three houses this month. So, right. so we did it just to scale as we kept growing, we would then divide out the tasks. So, um, so now we have, we have somebody that answers the phones. 
but we got so many listings now that that what happened is we ended up using a, um, a software. Oh, bless you. We ended up using a, a call center that will now take up and set up our showings because that gave us back now an admin that was taken care of. You know, like we write on the glass when everybody has a closing, all our closings at the office. So she does that, plus she answers any lead calls that would come in through the main office or any problems. So that way it's not setting up showings anymore. That's outsourced. Um, I added an executive assistant for myself so I could get a lot more stuff done. I'm not the type to do paperwork and stuff like that. So it made it where I could offload uh, different things and tasks. I had a lot of selling books or um, running my own property management, like I own property, so I was managing those. I do flips. I, you know, I have child things where I'm, I've got to be at the, I'm coaching the baseball team. Well, that's got to be scheduled and done. So anyway, all right. of those things, I, I put somebody in place to do that, and she's, she's pretty amazing. She's done a, a phenomenal job. Um, then we've got Rendy. She runs all the operation and manages all the staff. Um, so she's my, she's my sister. She actually started, she lived in Florida during the crash of like 2007 and everything was going down. And she, she called me up and said, Hey, is there anything I can do remotely? And she started doing it remotely, just kind of helping out. And next thing I know, we're moving her up here and she's running the, uh, running the whole program. So, um, then there is a courier. So we have where we just, we're hiring our second courier now, but that person goes out and, and picks up the signs, the lock boxes. We'll take a picture, but we now have separated out because there's so many properties. We now have photographers. So now the photographer does that. Um, goes, picks up. Real COA quick, I'm going to pause you on that. Do you have an in-house photographer? Uh, well, I guess they're kind of freelance at like 1099. Okay. So we just okay. pay them per, per listing that they do that. We actually have two of them now because we wanted to make sure for speed and efficiency that we had somebody to be able to go. Uh, and the listing coordinator handles that. So Chrissy, she's virtual. She handles all the okay. listings. Every listing goes in, goes over to Chrissy. She makes sure that it goes all into the documents and everything like that. Uh, and then we have a marketing coordinator, uh, Alexis, who makes everything pretty. I mean, that's just what she does. Yeah. Everything that comes in, she she takes and, and joins it all together. And then, then our agents, their role is to, you know, make phone calls, set appointments, uh, you know, and, oh. and be social. How many agents do you have on your team, Ryan? And then how many are within the brokerage? Not including the team agents. Uh, I can pull it up real quick. Well, I just ballpark. They're like 15, uh, 20 on your team. I think it's like 80. 80 are on the team now, and then there's whatever that okay. leaves left. 20. This is really interesting because my my team is in a very similar spot. We've got about 50 agents. Uh, we have teams within teams. I'm still selling within a brokerage, like a lot of our other audience members. Um, I choose to be under Berkshire Hathaway in Omaha, Nebraska, and we're getting to this place where. You know, we're pretty much, we are exactly like a brokerage. So all the positions you just named, we have, and I'm sure you have more positions you didn't name that we have as well. Um, but we're getting to this place where we're like, okay, well, we want to hire more agents and recruit them in, but they don't fit our team model or our team culture or the split structure we've designed for team agents. And so we're looking at this new category, and I think we were going to talk on this later today, called a virtual agent. You know, obviously, we do a lot of virtual training, Elite Real Estate Systems live streams, all of our Wednesday, Friday training. And we do a high-level training for team leaders if any of those virtual agents wanted to be team leaders as well. And so we're going to roll out a concept in 2018. Johnson doesn't even know about this yet um, called virtual agent. So we have team leader within the team. We have individual agent within my team. And then we have sub-agents, meaning they're agents within a team. The fourth category is going to be virtual agent. What's interesting about that position is anyone licensed in Nebraska or Iowa can be a virtual agent on my team. So it's similar to expansion, right? Um, and I know KW yeah. has a huge push for expansion, um, and it's similar to that, 
but um, they're going to literally work out of my office. So all the transaction coordinations out of my office, um, our branding, our marketing, our training, everything. That's genius. I'm writing that down. I might steal that from you. It's not stealing. I'm giving, brother. It's yeah, not stealing if I'm giving. I like it. Yeah, I like so it. I know, talk your story. I just wanted to share that real quick um, with our audience because I'm excited about it. And I don't usually talk about something until it works. So let everyone right. know. I'm testing it out. I'll let you know what virtual agent looks like. And I'm doing this intentionally to compete with the EXPs. EXP beat everyone to the market. But you're going to see over the next 10 years, it's all going to go virtual. The brick and mortars are not going to go away, but they're going to condense. My brick and mortar in Omaha is 100,000 square feet our building. Wow. We have 500 agents housed in this 100,000 square feet, but they're never here. You come visit, we walk around all three levels, and 10%, 5% of those 500 agents are even milling around. You really don't need a lot of space. You mentioned building a 3,000 square foot office uh, right now. Mine's 3,200, and I think we could have thousands of agents out of 3,200 square feet if we have this virtual agent option. But before we dive into that, if we want to dissect that a little bit, Talk to the audience about how you were very similar to me, both in production and success, building out a team at Remax, and then you had a shift where you decided to leave Remax and start your own brokerage, because there's a lot of agents right on the cusp of wanting to do something similar to that and simply haven't. So what was it that propelled you over the edge? Well, I mean, it was really a, a monetary decision at that point, because um, the way it was set up, it was costing me, I think, around $12,000 a month, and I had a great deal with my broker. He was a friend of mine. I mean, he got me into the business and, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty loyal guy. I didn't want to leave until it was time, but I just said, there's just something in my heart that says, I got to go, I got to go try this, you know? And I, and I wanted to feel like that feeling of like Hulk where you're, you know, you're like <laughs> ripping your shirt off. Like there's nothing holding me back now. You can't blame the broker. You can't blame Remax. You can't blame anybody. It's all on you stink or swim and figure it out. And I, and now I look back on it and I go, what an idiot. I mean, like to really, it's kind of like the first time a 16 year old takes off in the car on the first time they're going, they, they did a class, they know a little bit, but they have no idea what they're getting ready to have to go into. You know, now I was fortunate when I was there, I had this, I had my own separate office. So I kind of was already running on my own. I had a satellite office and I was in this little podunk office. I mean, like I paid like $10 a square foot. I was off the beaten wow. path. You know, it was, uh, it, it was bad. I mean, it, it was not what you would have called a real estate. I mean, we did 140 million that, you know, that last year out of there. So I mean, we did, we did well, but, um, but, but so anyway, the, um, the, I don't even remember. What I was gonna say. So here, here's my, here's my pain point. So I know right now I have an Excel spreadsheet and I'm, I'm sure a lot of our audience members have done the same. I know exactly what I would net if I left the brokerage and versus what I netted at the brokerage, I know what I would, I would net if I was at a competitor's brokerage, at KW, at Century 21, et cetera. I've plugged it all in, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pros and cons to going off on my own. I, at this point, have chosen not to do that. I still feel like there's a huge value of having people under a national brand, especially a brand that was born in Omaha and has a majority market share. What were some of your biggest negatives? You talked about some pain points you experienced right when you went into the brokerage model. What were some of the bigger negatives that you thought, man, if I had just continued building my team under Remax, I'd be so much better off? What were some of those pain points? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't at this point think I would have been better off. Uh, so, um, but going back to look at it, is it took time to sit back and look at it and say, this is all an equation. I'm one of those analytical guys. And so um, for me, everything has a value. So whether it's 
a closing coordinator, whether it's a lead, whether it is on uh, the accounting. I mean, just simply having to do the accounting. I have an account person that has to do right. all the payroll of all the checks. I've got to, uh, you've got to have a broker. Now you can do that. You can take on that role, but it means you can't do something else. So there's only a limited amount of time, which we're going to talk about more of, of why we broke out these other uh, avenues. Yep. But, um, but you're essentially, whatever you're paying the brokerage is what value you should be getting back. So if they're handling accounting, that's valuable. I mean, there's a, there's a benefit to that. You're not having that payroll every week. There's a, if they're handling the broker you, issues, you, go ahead. Yeah, from, from a monetary standpoint, what dollar amount, I've, I have mine that I'll share with the audience. What dollar amount would you give a, a good brokerage? Remax is a great brokerage, right? Berkshire, Keller, they're all great brokerages. What dollar amount would you say you would give them, or at least that you could justify letting them keep by not having to leave the brokerage? How much do you think you had to sure. create? And sure. So um, it depends. It depends. I think that's the the best answer because there's if I'm going to only hire top agents to my team and I'm, I'm staying there, well, if there's a monetary cost and we're on 80-20, then they're now costing me a fee for 80% of the agents not at the production level. So that's a, it's not a, really a quantitative thing, but it, it hurts more as you grow bigger. So it essentially mm -hmm. can stop you. Um, there's, you know, the cost of a accounting person, you know, a bookkeeper, even if you just want to be skinny, I mean, that's 30 grand, you're going to have to pay them a year. So, you know, there's a cost to that. Um, there's a, a value to uh, the broker. So there's a problem, you know, somebody didn't write the contract right or something like that. I mean, that that's going to cost you. But if you're going to have to have that person, because, you know, you can open your own office and not be the broker. I think California, you're all brokers and stuff out, out that way. Um, if anybody's watching from out there. Yeah. So anyway, different states have different rules. Um, yep. So you've got to pay somebody to solve those problems. Um, there's, there's the MLS, you, you know, I don't know if it costs where you're at, but it costs us $3,500 to even set up a new account with the MLS. You've yep. got to make all your forms, all your documents, all that paper and process. So there really has to come a clear vision. My sister did a phenomenal job with taking the concepts and ideas and then inking them down. Awesome. So, uh, so there, there's a like an upfront cost, and then there's a there's an expense. I actually thought about opening a Remax model when I was going to. So I met with them. My mm -hmm. wife uh, Chantel owns a brokerage here locally as well. So they said you can't have a Remax franchise because because basically I guess they thought I would sell the the model over to her, which it wasn't our game plan. But I, I can understand that. Um, so, so that just shut that door for us. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd be interested to hear what your number is to what that changes. The other part of it is when I meet with agents, because we have an independent model, there is a value to staying with a company that is giving you um, a large percentage of the commission, but they're just taking back what they're doing. Meaning we don't do their closing coordination. We don't do a lot of the other things um, that, you know, that you could get on a team or, or whatnot. Sure. So, but there's a value of what they don't know. So they either need to hire a coach. So you can have an outside cost of a coach. Maybe your broker at your company is a coach. So there's a value in that to if your business is growing, if you're listening to them. If you're not listening to your coach or your broker, when you go open your own company, what's the chances you're going to grow that company or do what you're supposed to do then? I mean, like right. now all of a sudden, like they think, oh, well, I'll do yep. that as, once I open the company. You should be doing that now yep. in preparation mm -hmm. for it. I, th I think you've made a lot of really great points. Each person needs to understand their business individually and look at what's the value your brokerage is offering you individually. Absolutely. So if you're already That's doing right. coaching, you're already doing process management, you're already, you know, there's a lot of pieces that some people give as the reason they're at a brokerage. But I have found as my team has grown, for me to take the, their, the value I offer to the next level, I have to almost step in and do the things I thought the broker should be doing, but I feel like I can do them better. 
And so now I start looking and saying, hey, is the brokerage relative? Does it make sense? And so every year I run an analysis in an Excel spreadsheet and I say cost to go on my own versus cost to stay. And right now mm -hmm. to stay, it, I lose about $250,000. So for me, because I give the broker, last year I gave my broker $400,000, but it's not fair to say I could have wow. kept four hundred. dollars I, I would have had one hundred and fifty dollars in the same cost if I had been the brokerage. I have chosen mm -hmm. to date to not move for many reasons, but one major reason <clears throat> is I have a limiting belief that my agent will be more successful selling the Berkshire brand than selling oh, the yeah. Jeff Cohn broker brand. Sure. I, and that's I get one, that that's one of the big reasons. Being an independent, I get that question a lot. Um, and, it, and it was that way even for us for a while. People are like, who is first class real estate? They don't ask that anymore. Like they, they, they know we're, we're the top 20, one of the top 20 brokerages in the area now, um, just for hiring, you know, some of the people in the volume. Um, the, uh, there's something else you touched on. I can't remember what it was now. I talk a lot. I'm sorry. You know what's funny, no, no, Ryan? This just happened, and I didn't even know. Um, you talked about your wife, Chantel. Her and I have shared probably two or three mastermind calls together. She actually oh, invited really? me to come stay with you guys. You guys are, like, very hospitable. Oh, really? Josh Smith uh, introduced me to her to help teach me some of the back office uh, training and stuff. Like, you guys have an amazing back yeah, office portal for training. They came out here for that, yeah. Dude, like I, this just happened. Like I had no idea you were connected to her at all, and then you brought up my wife Chantel. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know you. So pretty <laughs> yeah, funny, dude. Funny. So you guys, like, she is super successful as well, and you guys continue to stay separate. Yeah. So she started a year in the business before me. So everything in her business has always been a year ahead of me. So she left her company a year before, but stayed in the same office. Then the next year, I left. Remax and stayed in the same office. So that year she went and got into her new office. And then a year later, I bought the building that I'm in and I moved into this one. And then but it's she went separate. into, yeah, yeah. And then she started but opening multiple. So she's at five offices and I stayed at the same office last year. And then now this year, she's not growing anymore and I'm not growing offices. She's growing people. But, um, and now I'm working toward my five offices. So we're just following Sep very separate, similar, but our offices are different. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she's <laughs> killing me right now. A year ahead is a big difference. I'll tell you that much. Right oh, bullcrap excuse. Limiting yeah, beliefs yeah. here and there. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a risk factor. There's a lot of things you take on, know. you know, I mean, like there's, there's a lot, it's a lot of development that you, that you, you have to develop as a person. And really we're in a big place of leadership right now. Like we're learning yeah. how to be better leaders and realizing kind of some of the blind spots we had of ourselves, like, hey, you know, that people aren't going to follow that. And, you know, like, mm. so, so anyway, we're changing a lot of our core cultures and the way that we operate. And we're and she has her own brokerage, here. too. Is that correct? Yeah, Chantel Ray Real Estate. Yeah, she, she, okay. has, she has her own brokerage. Mm -hmm. Man, that's awesome. Good for you guys. That's really neat. And it's cool because <laughs> yeah. you can both adopt different stuff that applies to your culture, but then trade ideas and best practices to help mm -hmm. each other grow. Well, she definitely doesn't agree. want you to catch up. I bet you well, don't. And we don't agree. No, and there's well, that's things why you're she separate. does that I don't agree with. I do things <laughs> she doesn't agree with. And she'll be like, this year, she'll be like, yeah, well, I'm kicking your butt, so maybe you should. And I'll be like, yeah, well, we'll see. You know what? It, right, it's we'll see. Early. I'm coming, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we divided our roles somewhat of a way that she's overlapped them and said, hey, I'd rather pay a high quality person enough money to do two jobs. You know, and I said, well, I'd rather pay two people uh, a different amount, you know, that equals the same amount, but to do right. those two jobs so that I think they can do them better. I, that, that's my opinion. And, and would, she, would you, would you agree a lot of times that there's not a right way or a wrong way? There's just the way you choose to work it. 
Well, you know, I think it comes into mindset. So yeah, I mean, if you if you think it's going to work, it's going to work. If you think it's not going to work, it's not. There there are probably some canned things that obviously they just mathematically don't work, you know, but in the most cases, it's the way you work it. If you don't think it's going to work, then you're not going to work it as hard as if you do. If you think, and you're passionate about it, your passion can carry you through your, your model pretty well. So let's talk independently of if you're at a brokerage or start your own brokerage, you want to build, you want to scale, uh, because you know that that's going to help you be more successful. You're going to influence the lives of more agents to help them be more successful. Um, we talked a, bit, a little bit about this uh, virtual agent model, team leader model. You have an expansion agent model where they help you recruit. But net net, it's all recruiting. You're just showing people different types of value that you can offer them. You've done an incredible job, Ryan, recruiting. I think in your bio, something about in August, I think you had over 15 agents join your organization. What would you say are like the top two or three value ads you're offering agents in your marketplace that you feel are attracting those agents to you? Oh man, I, I'm probably gonna get pretty passionate about this because I I love this go for part it. Of it and and uh and just to be fair, we talked in the middle of August, so that number wasn't it didn't end up being that number. It's probably closer to double, but um nice. But, but so <laughs> so anyway, um all right, so so what we've done is in dividing it out, we have our expansion team leaders, and those people go out and their job is to find and attract um other agents, high producing agents, or people that'll fit our culture, meaning there are people out there that do well that we don't want at this company. And, I, and it's not that we're better than them, but we think our culture is our number one attribute. So um, we, we think that that's going to stop this virtual part, meaning people aren't going to produce as much. Simon Sinek goes into Leaders Eat Last. He talks about how um, people, people will disengage and they disengage because they don't hear from you or from the leader. They think people that they don't matter. And so even if, if they sit there and do nothing, I don't, I don't remember the statistics, but basically it went up 10 to 12% by telling somebody what they're doing is wrong because at least they know somebody's paying attention and cares because they, if you don't, then, then they're not. So, uh, you know, then they, they think they're just on an Island and they're just doing what they're doing over and over again. So the next part of it is, is we run top producer events. So we take our top producing people that have to meet a certain criteria on our team and every month we do an event. So like this past month, and it's, it's set up for the year already. So this past month, what we did is we went all to Buffalo Wild Wings. We had a party section, we ordered food and drinks, and then we all get together and mingle. And then we go over, we walked over to a ice skate, uh, a ice hockey game. And so, you know, it was fun, went to extra cool. innings or, you know, to the uh, to extra period. So, so anyway, the uh, that's fun, right? And they, they like that. They go, hey, you're you're celebrating my success. My other brokerage doesn't do that. Right. And so right. they're now connecting every time they're together and they find out about their kids and how their business is going and what's personally right. going on in their life. Like, like what's wrong? I mean, I get it. We're celebrating right. success, but there's like, have you hired hey, someone you know, to manage that relationship or are you the one doing that? What's that? The success manager role, uh, an individual that's assigned to showing that they care about each and every one of the agents within your brokerage. Like accountability? Well, yes. Yeah, so we have a sales manager. So each office has a sales manager, and then they're over the agents that are in there that are on the team. But but what's funny is that's not even our culture. Our culture is like this. So uh, well, and so I, well, let me let me touch on this other piece before we go into mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is our expansion team leaders invite mm -hmm. agents from other companies and say, "Come over as our guest. We'll pay for it." Now these people are like, "Wait, you don't even know me, and you're going to pay this." $50, $30, whatever it's going to cost. And the whole party is probably a thousand bucks. So they get to meet our top producers in a non-work environment, find out we have it where recruits are recruiting 
other recruits. I mean, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm coming over here. I'm for sure. Or, hey, when I pass the test, I'm coming over. When You know, are you coming over? And I just watch the conversations go on, and I just take an interest in them because I care. I do care about the people. Right. I care about their success. Um, so, so anyway, the recruits come to that, and then almost all of them, when they get to see that's how it works, they, they go, wow, you need to do this every single month. And, and they stay. The people, other people, the top producers stay because they go, well, I want to make that event every month, and I want to yeah. be with my friends, and this is my family. But What's so, the benchmark so, to make the event? How many um, sales or production? So what we do is we, we, we lower it to a – got to have a closing. You've you got to at least have a closing so that we know income comes in, all right? Yeah. Then the other part is if you list two homes um, with a commission um, percentage amount, which I'm not going to talk about. Uh, okay, for, that's fine. Know, obvious reasons. And yep. then um, – and then and or put two deals under contract. So okay. they have to have done one of those three things to contribute okay. to the team. You do listings, we're going to get buyers and, and so, so on. You're so you're doing um, a monthly, fun, cultural, exciting, oh yeah. fun, out-of-the-office event, and you're inviting recruits to come along to the event to see what it's like to be a part of your organization. That's right. Well, and that's one piece of it. The, the yeah. other part of it is, so you said, hey, where's the accountability to these other agents and this other stuff? So here's what happens. The reason the other offices don't get what we're doing is they don't lead with the same way that we do. So what we had is uh, it was a really powerful thing. I, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't know that, that really matters, but I was, I got home from the gym. I walked into, into the house the other day. We had a team meeting on Wednesday and, um, and something hit me and said, take $2,000 to the office. And I said, yeah, right. Okay. So I go over to the safe. I open it up. I look at $2,000 and I'm ready to grab it. And I said, that's just stupid. I, it's, that's not, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So I close it. And I said, I ah, closed the door on that chapter of life. So, you know, I literally remember saying that, like, I literally, I was laughing at myself. Like I closed the door I made the decision. I'm not going to do this. And I'm not. So I go get dressed and something says, just take it with you just in case. So I said, Okay, so I go back, I grab it out, I stick the money in my pocket, and before I even walk down the stairs, it hit me. I had the idea of how this value of this money was going to come back. I had a recruit come in, and they said they wanted to join our company, and they said, well, really, my goal is to sit on that side of the table. You know, we sit at my desk, and I said, and you can have it anytime you want. You want the phone, the email, you, you can have it. I just, I have a role here. I'm not the boss, I'm the leader, but you know what, it's a big responsibility. So we go to this team meeting, and I've got a stack of twenty one hundred dollar bills, and I said, "Okay, guys, you guys are some tough guys. You guys have, you know, sold a lot of houses, and you've produced, and you're doing a good job. And I know you got aspirations to go more." I said, "Who in here would like to sit on this side of the table? Who wants to see what it's like to be on this side of the table? Stand up here with two thousand dollars and say I'm going to give it away." And 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 I said, "Who wants to do it?" Two. Three people raised their hands, said, yeah, I, I do. I want to be to your side of the table. I said, all right, you want to see what it's like to be in my shoes? I said, all right, here's where it is, because you're going to have to do what I do every day. And I said, so come on up here. The person comes up, and I said, here's $100. I said, you have a choice. You can go sit back down, and it's yours to keep, or you can go to somebody in the office that you know needs this more than you do and go give it to them. And one of the people came up, and they got the 100 and they're like, oh, man, I'm really in a tight spot, I, you know. And they kept it, and they went and sat down. No judgment. I mean, they, they, they legitimately had a tough time. So, so somebody else comes up, and they take it, and they said, wait, what's the catch? What's the game? Because I gave them 100 too. And I said, I don't know. This is real life. You're on my side of the table. There's no games to this. This is what happens. You have income come in. you got to decide what you're going to do with it. Who's going to be the most valid person on the team today? What's going to be the need you're going to meet today? Because that's what the leader has to do. And they went and they, they thought for a minute. Then somebody else followed up and they grabbed it 
and they gave it to somebody else. And I said, hey, come back up here. I think it was Brian at the time. I said, come back up here. Here's 200 more. And, and they went and gave out the 200 more. And I said, you gave out that? Oh, okay, well, come back. Here's, here's 400. And then, then somebody else came up. I gave them 100. And they started going around. You could just see $100 bills dropping out of the people. People are crying. They're like, you know, because they know they could have kept that $100. And they gave it to them. And I said, that's what, that's what culture is. That's what our office is like. When you start going to where you care more about the person next to you than you do the, the, your own needs, then all of your needs will be met. And I said, but you're never going to know what they need when you're only focused on yourself and what you're going to do. And it was it was huge. I mean, there was letters written. There was crying. People that got the money wrote letters over to other people and said, hey, I, I couldn't afford X, Y, and Z. And, I, you know, because they're newer agents, there's older right. agents, there's people in slumps. I mean, we know how it is. So, yep. so but this, this powerful thing goes off. And I said, so who in the office are you going to pay that close attention to and figure out who you can help? And I said, and the better job you do of that, the more this is going to happen. I said, and it doesn't just happen in this office. It has to happen in this world. You need to be going out and doing this for everybody. You go help your contractor get more work. Guess what he's going to do? Send you more business. You go help your hairstylist. You go help, you know, whatever. So it, it's the concept. Yep. It's the thinking mm -hmm. of not thinking of yourself first. Then you become a leader. And, it, and then what happens is, you get more and more opportunity, and then you got to make the same decision. And I go, and when are you going to cash in? Whenever you're going to cash sure. in and say, all right, it's mine, I go, but what happens is you learn to have a life and a sure. career that now is about other people, and you're now happy. Believe it or not, I've seen tons of people that have sold uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of real estate, and they're miserable. And I sure. said, well, if you want to be like those guys, you're, you're welcome to it. But they always think that's going to make them happy. And I said, that's why people come here, because yep. they know that the person next to them cares more about them than they do themselves, even though they've got their own problems. So worry about that. So sorry. I know I went on. And so on, no, the whole I tangent I get. No, it's good content and I get it. And the culture piece, I understand it. I think it's easy for you, me and Johnson, who are already successful, who make a lot of money. I, I get that we can think at this level about paying it forward because that's what helped us get to where we are. But you take a new recruit, maybe they've been in the business a year, they've done 15 deals. They don't look at us because we've given and the culture guy and the Christian that we've become. They just see the success that we have from a financial standpoint. They want more of it. And I think it takes a leader to help them see, as you pointed out, Ryan, that you could help them through that transition, even just with that little um, episode of, hey, you know, give them each a couple hundred bucks, let them hand it out to show them what it feels like to be a leader. Functionally, though, beyond that, because that's a culture piece that takes, I believe, you can't just find someone that fits it right away. I think they have to learn it. There's not very many offices in the country that sound much like your office culturally. So functionally, what else are you showing recruiting candidates to get them excited beyond the culture to show value and help them build their business? Sure. So, we, you know, we break down the brokerage part of it. We said everything has a value. So they're going to have me as a leadership model that they can follow. We have a growth plan so they can take from our team and go to an independent model and build their own team. We take them from doing buyers to doing sellers to eventually running their own team to having buyers agents and, and so on. So that process, they can see that they don't have to change companies. They can be right here, started one company and go mm -hmm. all the way through. The next part of it is that we said, well, if we're going to generate all the leads, you don't have to worry about the expense anymore. We're going to generate the leads for you. We're going to teach you how to build a business. We're going to provide all the support staff. And so all of ours uh, is set up to 
to increase their chances of success. So if they have a closing coordinator, a listing coordinator, leads coming in, they're not picking up lock boxes and signs and stuff like that. We said you should have now more time to either spend with your family and have a quality of life or be able to increase your business in some way, shape, or form as well an environment that you're going to be very happy working in because people are going to care about you. So let me, we're let going me to challenge you. Let me pause your answer. So this is interesting. So we had the first culture answer, which took you like took 12 minutes. You now gave okay. the functional answer, which took two minutes. And it's the yeah. same rhetoric, don't take offense to this, that everyone yeah, else no tells somebody, right? So from okay. a percentage standpoint, if you had to give credit to why people join your organization, what percentage is the culture, is that fun team meeting, is the Buffalo Wild Wings, and what percentage is the, I'm gonna help you build a business, generate leads, hold you accountable, and plug you into the right systems to make you successful? Why do people join well, your organization out of those two okay. scenarios? So it's a fair question, and I, I don't technically have a, a solid that I can give you a black and white answer to, but I'll, I'll tell you this is kind of the breakdown, and we have everything documented into a scorecard, but um, what we found is the people that come on either say, I didn't, have, I went to an event, I saw a podcast, I heard you speak to somebody, you know, and, which I hate public speaking, which is why I'm glad there's just three of us here. Um, so, <laughs> You're doing great, uh, you know, man. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I sweat. But, um, but so anyway, the, they say, hey, you know, I, I got to hear your heart. I got to know who you are and what you're trying to do. Um, and they're a part of something that's growing fast and, uh, and it's upsetting the norm. And, and the bigger part of it is, the people that we're hiring, we already know what they think. We know how they think and what they need before they do. So we can always present this stuff in a way that connects with them emotionally, that our goal is not to just get rich off of them, it's to help them grow their business. So yeah. one of the things is this, we don't have a contract. You can join on over here. We have a contract, it's gonna tell you all the terms of it. You can leave anytime you want. There's 115 people here that can leave whenever they want. They're, they're, they're not here by force. Well, what does it do to an organization somewhere else where the people are there? So if you knew you were going somewhere and you didn't have to sign a contract that was going to make you give away your life for a year or you're stuck in the terms, we go, well, you can leave anytime you want. So, yeah. so they now, they care. Now what happens is they then go out and they attract other agents. So they, they'll be doing a deal with somebody and they send them over and say, hey, so-and-so wanted to know, how do I get over there? Because we just see more signs going up, more deals, the social media side of things. So there's ads ran and different things. Like when they come in, they already know who we are. By the time we touch them, they already have seen our top producer event. We celebrate the success of them. We're not scared to say, hey, here's our top agents. Here's the amount of volume they did. Here's how many listed houses they did that somebody else is going to take them because they will, they go after them and they don't leave. Instead, they yeah. end up recruiting those people into here. Yeah. So this is so something guys just, for, for our audience members, sorry to cut you off, Ryan. We don't have a lot more time. Yeah. I know we're about down yeah, to a sorry. couple minutes, but yeah. a big point that I think you have made here. And I know it's been a lot, a lot of conversation around the culture piece. And I don't even think that was our intention. That just naturally came out of you. You've attracted, I guarantee everyone within the organization just simply by the person that you've become, the leader you've become. Jim Rohn has the quote, you know, it's the, um, it's what you invest in yourself ultimately to help you become the leader that you are. And so mm -hmm. you've done that. You're a great example of it. There are so many millennials and Z generation agents that have not seen leadership. There's so right. many brokers. And that's what they want. They want that, right? It's like a, a child not getting parented by their parent. They want rules. Yeah. They want them to hold them accountable. They want to ask why they didn't get in until after 10 o'clock or whatever the case and might transparency. be. And transparency. Yeah, I, totally, transparency. I totally agree. So if you had given me the pitch or I had gone to one of those events, I would have had no interest. 
I'm right on the cusp of not being a millennial. I was born in 81. I'm 35. I wanted to make money. 23, I had a baby. I needed to make money. I'm not interested in the culture piece. The group that we are recruiting, the future of the business, it's about the fun, the love, the help, you know, helpfulness. It's not as much about the business. That has to be a part of it because you're not going to go to work if you're not making money to take care of your family. And for anyone that wants to discredit what we're talking about, go ahead and continue doing what you're doing the next 10 years. But I challenge everyone listening. <laughs> the future is appealing to Z-Gen and millennials because those agents will attract the clients because they, they said that by, I think, this year, 2017, over 50% of homes were going to be purchased by millennials or Z-Gen. And so you want to have agents, I feel like, that are going to be able to be at the same level. Um, one strategy I would recommend to everyone that I had heard about that I just started is I put a committee together of 10 people that are under 25 years old. So we have 17-year-olds to 25, and I take them out to like a late lunch. We do it like 3 o'clock so some of the high school kids can meet with us. And it's just one hour of talking about the future, like what they perceive would be the best wow. thing for a business, what kind of marketing works, what doesn't, what kind of events are cool, what aren't. Even the way I choose to interact, like I have the flat bill, I am not cool at all. The flat bill is a suggestion that, hey, Jeff, maybe you could look a little cooler because you're this big, bald guy, and it kind of livens me up a little bit and helps me connect better with a younger generation. But then, of course, I could take it off, put my suit on, and I connect with an older generation. So I think it's awesome that you talked on it. I think 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to receive the message today, uh, but I think that this message is powerful. And for anyone looking at the organization going, well, we help people be rich. Isn't that all that matters? That's not what matters anymore. It's not about just being rich. Most of the people within the organization will never be as rich as you, but your job shouldn't be to help make them rich. It should be to help them lead and live the life of their dreams through giving them that culture, the fun, showing them that you care about them. And if they want to be rich so that they can accomplish that, you should also give them the vehicle to do that. That's great. So Matt, what did we miss? <laughs> Dude, there was, a, there was a lot. There was a lot there. I was going to say Ryan's frozen up for a second, but uh, yeah. Uh, so the couple things that jumped out to me, um, and we'll see if Ryan can hop on to, to finish this out. But first of all, guys, go check out um, Ryan's book, Explode. Uh, hopefully, he'll hop on and be able to. to I've got him, Matt. I've got second. him on my end. I okay, see him. he's rocking. There we go. Perfect. So, uh, so go to Amazon, get that. Um, so we're gonna make sure we put the link for that in the show notes, guys. So grab that, and then Ryan, since you're back, I, maybe maybe we're just frozen on my end, but uh, Ryan, let people know kind of how they can connect with you, and especially where to send referrals to you guys. Sure. Um, so we have uh, first class real estate, uh, first class RE, the number one first class RE is uh, online. So I can get any of those messages that go in there. Um, there's an info at firstclassagents.com email uh, that'll go to me. Uh, you can email me directly if you want. So it's Ryan, R-H-Y-A-N at firstclassagents.com. Um, and uh, I mean, I think that's the, the best way. We're For, Virginia, uh, Beach, referrals, Virginia Beach. Yeah. yeah in, in any surrounding area, Norfolk, big surrounding areas. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Norfolk, all of those areas. Norfolk, okay, perfect, awesome. And then what, what was Chantel's contact information for people that have referrals? <laughs> uh, it's R-H-Y-A-N at... <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, yeah, also, at Ryan, I wanted to invite you and Chantel uh, for being guests on our podcast. We'd love to have you come out. I know you guys are super busy, but if you ever decide you want to come out to Omaha, we host a team-building workshop every month. Um, typically, it costs $3,000 for someone to attend the workshop. It's an all-day event. Would love to have you out here an extra day so we could go out. I could take you out and show you Omaha. You might want to wait till it warms up a little bit. It's a little chilly now, but you're welcome anytime. And for anyone watching oh, this you. that doesn't know a lot about it, uh, we are going to offer a 50% off discount for this coming Monday's workshop. It's, I think, on like the 16th. And then next in December's workshop. So the last two in December, or sorry, in 2017 
are going to be $14.97. Usually they're $29.97. Uh, the groups usually aren't as large this time of year, we think, because of the weather and the holidays, people get busy. So this will be a great time if you want to have more time with me and my other direct reports. And then also I want to remind everyone, if you could do us a huge favor, if you found this video or podcast valuable to you, please go out to iTunes under podcast, look up the Team Building Podcast by Jeff Cohn, and give us a five-star review and just share with us a few sentences of what you felt uh, when you listened to this podcast today and how it helped your business. I think we're at about 20 reviews. I'd like to hit 50 before the end of the year. So that'd mean the world to us. If you just took a minute, it doesn't take very long, and just give us a quick review there on iTunes. That's right. And guys, just want to also thank you for watching the live broadcast. This has been a lot of fun. We had a lot of people jumping on, very high-level people. <clears throat> we're, we're keeping an eye on the podcast live here. So uh, keep in mind that you can always like the ERS page on Facebook and get the live notifications of when we are doing the show right here. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for watching and, uh, and listening and subscribing and sharing and all that good stuff. And we'll see you guys on the next one.